Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey guys, today is such a special day. Do you know why? I do. Tell us. Happy Grenache Day. It's a reason to celebrate. It's our actual wine holiday National Grenache Day, which was created. The most important holidays. Of, they're all wine related. <laughs> and even if they aren't wine related, there's always wine there. So they are technically wine related then. True story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Grenache Day was actually created in 2010. So it is a relatively new wine holiday, but one that we are going to partake in today in this episode. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell to the yeah. So we are going to be drinking, um, in this episode called A Tribute to Grace and Grenache, we're going to be drinking the 2016 A Tribute to Grace, Grenache. (laughs) So Sarah, would you mind? Wow, that was so creative of us. (laughs) So creative. We added an and. (laughs) It's very creative. Yeah, so please open. I'm I'm gonna do it. This Did is, you see me ready with the wine opener she in hand? Had the corkscrew all prepared. Yeah. It was wonderful. So why don't you tell them about our topic today? Okay. So today it's we have this wine called A Tribute to Grace. And while there are a couple reasons why said winemaker called it that, um, we're actually that was lovely. We are actually gonna talk about Grenache, but we're gonna talk a little bit about Princess Grace of Monaco. Yes, and what other women we find that inspire us in their gracefulness. Yes. So, um, well, the cork says to grace. Aww. So sweet. So we'll kind of really talk sweet. about with where this name of this wine comes yes. from. But first I need to pour. You must pour. And while you're... Because I'm getting ready to celebrate. Oh, girl. It's a celebration, bitches. It's a celebration. Oh, Wow. Oh my God, that's like the largest pour. <laughs> it's a celebration. <laughs> oh my God, that's like, that's so huge. I mean, oh, it's I been a while. Yeah. It's been All a right. while. Okay, All right. Okay, cheers. Cheers, bitch. It almost has the color of like a Beaujolais. It, it, yeah, it's like slightly purpley and it's also very light. Oh, it's good. So um, this was this is about a thirty dollar bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a two thousand sixteen from Santa Barbara, from California. Santa Barbara County. Yep, California. And um, the wine, the winery itself, the vineyard itself, is called mm-hmm. a tribute to Grace. Yes. Yeah. And um, it, the winemaker, her name is Angela Osborne. She is not from the U.S. <laughs> She's, in fact, from New Zealand. Ooh. And the funny story about her is that she wanted to become a winemaker in New Zealand, but she very specifically wanted to make Grenache. Like, she fell in love with this grape, and she was like, oh, my God, I must produce it. But New Zealand is too cold to ripen this varietal. And so because of that she's like well shoot i got to find like the right spot to go and so yeah. she found her way to california and now makes wine has for the last i think uh their first grenache uh was in 20, 2007 um from santa barbara highlands vineyard um and since then they have their own vineyards and produce their own their own wines yeah they also make a rosé a grenache rosé mm-hmm. i have yeah. seen that i have not tried it but i have definitely seen it and i think I actually think Grenache would lend itself really well to making a rosé. I agree. Yeah. Um, and let's look. What is the ABV on this? It is 14.1%. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to be honest, I don't really taste it that much. No. It doesn't taste... But I think Grenache is normally pretty alcoholic. Mm. Or can be. I do... Yeah. I think it's between 135 and 15%. So, it's sort of that medium-high... Um, alcohol level. Right. Um, but you're right. You really can't taste the alcohol at all. So, okay. So let's finish talking about Angela, the winemaker. So she labeled this wine, a tribute to grace after her grandmother, grace and her most beloved attribute, which is grace. There you go. 
Her uh, grandmother's name is Grace, mm-hmm. and her most beloved attribute is Grace. Yeah, but I'm not sure if <laughs> her grandmother exuded a lot of grace or if Angela really loves those who have the personality trait or demonstrate gracefulness. I'm, it could be interpreted a couple okay. ways, depending right. on how you want to. Okay. It could be both. <laughs> uh, but she also... Um, she said that she dedicated this particular wine company to crafting authentic expressions of Grenache. And so all wines are single vineyard sourced to maintain authenticity and remain 100% Grenache, which is kind of cool because Grenache in and of itself is typically a blending grape. Yeah. And it's not that hard to, um, to cultivate and make a, a good Grenache. So I give my hats off to her. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the winemaking intention, this is from their website, is to capture the spirit and stay as close to nature as humanly possible. So the trio is completed by the grape itself, which to me encapsulates grace. So again, she's sort of got a trifecta with why she has named uh, her mm-hmm. wine company as such. Um, so about the wine itself, this wine got... 91, 91 points. points from wine enthusiasts. Not like, that cheers I put to everything that. Points. Yeah. I know we say like you don't always have to or necessarily should, um, you know, pay attention to the the points. I mean, they're they're there obviously for a guide of some sort, but acknowledge the fact that certain publications and reviewers like have some of their favorite tastes, so they could very well, you know, sort of be skewed one direction versus another. Um, but yeah, so. Um, this is what they described as one of the most affordable and easiest to find takes on Angela Osborne's uniquely light style Grenache. So Grenache is also, it's usually like a medium to full bodied, I thought. And so this I'd actually say is like light to medium body. It's very, I would say, yeah, I would say light to medium. Yeah. But it has a full body taste almost. Uh, maybe more a medium taste, but. Um, before we kind of get into that, something else that's interesting is they have all these different versions based on where they get the grapes from. Oh, the, the vineyards that they use? Yes, the vineyards they use. So, like, for example, we're drinking the Santa Barbara Highlands one, mm-hmm. but, like, they have one, there's uh, Besson, which is where you can, they all have different colors, the labels, and that depends on the oh. vineyard that, that she gets the grapes from. Okay. Isn't that cool? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, so... I think that's kind of cool. And not to mention, I would like to say that her uh, spring releases of 2018 that were released in March were sold, are sold out on her website. So what? If you want, yeah. So, I mean, I got to be honest. I don't, I feel like every time I see this on the shelf somewhere, it's usually just like one of, like one of her bottles. Yes. And so I, I'm, I'm wondering if there, she doesn't distribute all the different ones, if I mean, we across live in Wisconsin, the board, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe there's, um, different distribu- distributors, different States. I'm, I'm not quite sure how yeah. that works, but yeah, if you look on her website, you can buy it on there and they have, uh, the different wines based on which vineyard she sourced the grapes from. Cool. So it's kind of cool, huh? How many varietals is she, or oh, versions? She's got quite a few. Um, looks like seven. Oh, wow. Okay. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, good for her, man. And she has a wine club, so you could probably... What are you trying to make me want to join another wine club? <laughs> That's like the last thing I need, but so, I might be convinced at some point. A plug for her yes. is that they have um, an autumn 2018 release coming, which is all their 2016 uh, Grenaches on all their different vineyards. So if mm-hmm. you wanted to go to their website and check out... Where their different vineyards are and what they're like, and try. And What's their website? One, it is GraceWineCompany.com. Okay. And by the way, uh, there is no sponsorship here. Like this is just <laughs> us enjoying the wine, and we want to make sure that peeps are uh, fully aware of how to access information and where to get it. Exactly. Yes. But I mean, Ms. Angela, if you're listening, I mean, you can you can go ahead and like. <laughs> Send you know, us some, send us some, I mean, some free wine. I'm please contact us. That's all I need in payment. <laughs> oh, God. Somehow so, I have wine splashed all over my computer. Okay. I didn't think it would be the sloppy. first time that's happened. <laughs> no, I've had to clean this many times. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, so, Grenache then, 
Um, we talked about it. It is typically medium to full body. This is a slightly lighter rendition, which I think we got from the wine enthusiast description. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Grenache actually originated in Spain. And Did it? Yeah. And then it essentially migrated to France where it became known. Sorry. It used to be, it's known as Garnacha. So mm-hmm. if you've anybody seen that around the shelves, um, that is the same grape uh, varietal, uh, just different region, different terroir. And so from that, we can obviously expect that we're going to see some flavor profile differences, um, color differences probably to some extent, um, maybe not quite as varied across uh, the flavors um, as the color. But yeah, it's and then it made its way to the U.S. But isn't there a controversy about um, if it really is from Spain. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Because, I mean, science has proven that it's not really from... Okay, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> so, according to, you know, Miss Karen McNeil of the Wine Bible. Mm-hmm. My Bible. <laughs> my, my Bible. Our Bible. The one Our that we Bible. read every night before bed and we pray to. Um, there was a strong scientific hypothesis that Grenache originated in Italy. First is a white crepe called Vernaccia, um, and later this pronunciation was Garnacha. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're saying that it changed. Okay. Um, and then it was brought to Spain where it mutated to form a red clone. Which happens. Yes. And then to France. Okay. But, however, molecular analysis shows no genetic relationship between the Vernaccia and the Garnacha. Are you saying Vernaccia? Vernaccia. Ver. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, however, they're saying the Italian connection is not without merit since DNA typing shows, um, Sardinia's important grape to, uh, Car- Can- Canono, I can't say it, <laughs> <laughs> to be, um, a Grenache. Canono. Canono. <laughs> Sounds like Shanae. <laughs> Exactly. Same wavelength here. Uh, same wavelength. Um, yeah. Okay, so, but, okay, but wait, this is interesting because you're saying that people came up with this hypothesis on account of the fact that their names sounded familiar. Yeah. But that's like, there's musk. Okay, I was just doing something about muscadel with D E L L E versus muscadel. No, versus okay. Muscadel D-E-L, and they are two yeah. extremely, very different, totally unrelated, but they are called like the same thing, just spelled slightly differently. But two yeah. completely different grapes grown in different regions, um, and so it's funny that people still think, and I don't know, maybe that was the old way of thinking about things and, and trying to figure out what to test, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know, because, you know, they're saying... Um, they don't know what Garnacha's parents are, although they think it um, came from Aragon, Spain. Hmm. It was one of the communities in Spain. Okay. So read, read Karen's thing. She has a good description, I think, about the Grenache flavors. Yes. I, I actually, I don't always like reading exactly what people say for flavors. I know. I like to make my own, but I do agree with uh, what she has on here. Um, <clears throat> I, just, I like her words. Yes. She says... When the Grenache is at its best, the wines have unmistakable purity, richness, and beauty, plus the evocative aroma and flavor of cherry preserves. Oh, evocative. Evocative. It is not particularly high in tannin, and thus great examples have a sappy, luxurious texture. Um, Sappy? I I agree with the not being high in tannins, for sure. I don't know about sappy. I agree with the cherry preserves. When you take this and you swish it around in your mouth, you definitely can feel the tannins a little bit, but they are just like barely there. You'd say, I mean, I would say, I don't want to say it's flat, like there's none present because you can definitely pull them out, but it's, it's pretty minimal and medium acidity. Yeah. I mean, I think it's delicious, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, she does say that Mm -hmm. it is genetically unstable and difficult to grow and challenging to make into wine. So that's what we had mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, Karen's little, um, spiel on Grenache there and her, the whole Italian hypothesis, Italian versus Spain. I'm going to go with Spain. Where it originated? Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that, 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 that's not a very compelling argument. 
No, it's not. And then the DNA is not the same. So I mean, like, I'm going to go with Spain. Again, like you can test for mutations and things. And there are other wine grapes like Pinot Noir that has mutated into Pinot Blanc and other things like that. So yeah, no, I think that this is, I think this is separate. I'm going with Spain. Spain's the winner here. Um, DBP says Spain. And if it's you're final. asking us, it's final. <laughs> no one else gets to vote. No, nope. just us two. No, just us. There's, there's no voting here. <laughs> it's not even a vote. Nope. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, I, I do think that this is a very, it's, it is a relatively smooth wine, right? So we have like a little bit of tannin that's like that that populates, you know, your mouth uh, as you drink it. But I will say that it actually kind of cleans up pretty, pretty nicely. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy it very much. Um, very, uh, I was trying to see if this was oaked. I have a feeling that this was slightly oaked, but nothing that's like major. What do you think it would pair well with? A Grenache? Well, because it's, well, I don't know, because <laughs> this is what really tears me up. Grenache, I think, is meant to, it can have some spiciness to it. I don't think this has much spiciness to it. I don't think at all. And so you can pair it with sort of spicier dishes, but I just don't think that that would be, I don't think that would be good with this. Mm -mm. I think that this goes with something that's like maybe a little creamy, like creamy dressings and things like that. Um, Maybe like a good, like a good meaty stew. That seems so heavy right now, but that's just because I just ate like a heavier food and I'm like, I can't even imagine eating something like that. <laughs> but I do, yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, this, it seems a little earthier, a little woodier, if you will. And so I think it will pair well with anything that's more herb driven, um, you know, in terms of what you would add to cook. You know, I'm not really into like sausages, but I think this would go really well with a good saucisson. 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 I kind of just wanted to say that too. I know it's one of my favorite words in French class. <laughs> and Grenache is the French way to say it, so yeah, saucisson. Yeah, I actually well, I do love that the word. Um, also, confiture, which means jam. This is non-confiture. It's not jamming. It's no. not jamming. I, I, but it does have. It has like I do agree with the cherry preserves though. I'll get that. When I think preserves, I also think kind of sweeter, but I don't get any sweetness. This is no. like this is a very good. It's a very good wine. It's a very good wine. I feel like this would be a very big crowd pleaser. And actually, I feel like it's very palatable, so it's something that, like, dare I say, like, Thanksgiving, which yeah. is coming up, people. Let's not forget that that's only two months away. Oh, my away. God. Stop Shit. it with that nonsense. I, know. I, know. I need Halloween. I got to go holiday by holiday. First is Grenache Day. First is Grenache Day. <laughs> then it's Halloween. <laughs> and then we get to Thanksgiving. Yes. Okay, oh, okay. And then it's, like, Beaujolais Day, right? That's coming <gasps> up in That's November. right. We're going to have to have a party. Yeah. So, I mean, like, oh shit, we, that's know. right. We're going to have a party. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's, I think this is very well balanced as yes. well. It's a very well balanced smooth wine. I'm, I'm a fan. Okay. Can we do a cheers to grace? Yeah. A cheers to a tribute to grace. Cheers. So one more sip. Okay. So we're going to move on, move on to a tribute to the Grace Kelly. And I will admit, I have watched a lot of Grace Kelly movies, or rather, the same ones over and over again. <laughs> What's your favorite one? Okay, I really do love To Catch a Thief. It's a fantastic film. Okay. Um, and she was... Why is it your favorite? Is it because she's so graceful? Oh my God, she's just... She's stunning, number one. She's just like the epitome of. And I will also admit that... When I was wedding dress shopping, that my goal was to like get a wedding dress like hers, to get a wedding dress like a dress that she mm-hmm. wore. So she's like the socialite in the movie, mm-hmm. and she has this fantastic wardrobe. She's just uh-huh. oh god, she's just so beautiful, and she's very demure, like whatever. She, I love her, but she wears this one. It's an actual like white dress, and it just has this beautiful like crisscrossiness, um, and it's an A-line dress. And it just flows, and she just looks almost, like, angelic, like, wearing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want... That's going to be the wedding dress that I wear. Your, your wedding dress was similar to that. It was A-line, but that's about it. Like, if you... I should show you the picture. But she... It's totally different. I tried 
every time I would go look at dresses, I try on so many and I would focus on that single style. I never liked any of them. Mm -hmm. So I could not replicate the Grace Kelly. But anyway, um, yeah, she was the funny thing about Grace Kelly is that she's in so many of these like very big movies. Like Mm -hmm. she was in, um, a handful of Alfred Hitchcock movies. He really loved working with her. Um, another really good one is rear window, which if anyone, I hate to like really equate the two, but Rear Window is somewhat similar to like the film that came out somewhere in the 2000s uh, with Shia LaBeouf. It's called Disturbia. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. It's some. It's essentially the person, like the main character, um, thinks that they've witnessed a murder, like from like their neighbor murdering somebody, and then it's like you know they sort of try to do their own like inspection. And in um, Rear Window, Grace Kelly is the girlfriend of. Uh, the gentleman who thought that he witnessed said murder. Oh. So it's the very, the, the plot thickens and things get twisted and whatnot. And so, um, I'm not going to give anything away in any movie, but, um, uh, that is another fantastic one that I've watched okay. several times, but it's interesting to think about her career in films because she started acting at the age of 20 and quit Hollywood at the age of 26. And she... And she's had all these movies. She had... She's had so many movies. I mean, you think about how long it took to produce a movie back then versus now where we have a yeah. bunch of CGI and nonsense. And so, uh, yeah, it, things came out. She would do, like, five movies a year. It's It would be unbelievable. But, um, yeah, so she's from Pennsylvania. She is a U.S. girl, um, born to a relatively well-off family. Um, so she, I think, was afforded some opportunities to study in some of the best, like, theater schools. Um, in fact, her family was at first, like, very not cool with her decision to go into acting. Okay. And then she finally ended up convincing them and allowing her to go. Um So she, again, sort of landed some of these roles. Um, And one thing I thought was interesting back in the day is that um, movie companies seem to, like, own actors and actresses. Interesting. Yeah, because I was reading something about her where she was, like, owned by MGM. But which, yes. She was owned by MGM, and she had to be lended to Paramount in order to have a specific role in a movie. Oh. Like, they had to come to some, like, great agreement. And she, I guess, in order to get her way, threatened to quit MGM in order to let them, to be like, all right, all right, all right, you can go do, like, this one or these one or two movies, like, with Paramount, but you're still our girl. Like, we're still going to, like, pay you. You're, you're still under our wing. So she, I think she said she pushed some envelopes. Even, like, the six years that she was in Hollywood... I think she definitely, um, you know, made it, she made a name for herself, not only in her acting, but also in just trying to, I think, make more demands and be listened to, you know, she's women's rights, women's rights. Like she, I think that she, and she was so good at what she did and such an eloquent human being that I think that people were willing to listen. So she was one of the, uh, she was heading up like the U S delegation for the Cannes film fest. And she was supposed to have a specific, like, a private, like, promotional visit with the Prince of Monaco. Okay. And that is, in fact, where she met her soon-to-be husband. Ooh, la la. While she was dating Ola Cassini, who was a fashion designer. Oh, yes. I've heard of him. I think that he made my sister's wedding. Like, Ola Cassini was, like, the designer for my sister's wedding dress. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Because I remember her, like, you know, tossing that in front of me, saying, like, Oh, I'm wearing, you know, Grace Kelly. Yes. He was like engaged to her or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if they were engaged, but whatever. Um, so anyway, yeah, so she ended up uh, courting for a year. Okay. Uh, Prince Rainier, mm-hmm. the third of Monaco. And then she ended up marrying him. And when she married him, she effectively had to give up her entire livelihood um, because the state, like the. You mean her career? Her career. I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a better way to say it. Because they didn't like her portraying the characters that she was. Not to mention that she'd have to be, like, kissing, like, stars like Sean Connery and things like that. So they weren't really cool with that. Monica was like, no, you can't do that. And so 
due to that pressure, she had to quit oh, and turn wow. down That's many, many roles. That's a huge sacrifice. Could you imagine? Although I've always wanted to... I've, Monaco, to me, has seemed like this like fabulous place that I've always wanted to visit. Uh-huh. I think it's because my grandfather used to like go there and gamble. Really? Yeah, and like they used they talked about the old days in the casino and everyone dressed up and it was like this like really fancy thing. It's not like going to Vegas, right? It's like this like high class fancy thing. And I've always and like you know What if Vegas were like that? I feel like things would be so much better. (laughs) I don't know. Depends on who you ask. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Um but yeah, I and then like it's supposed to be beautiful, like the water. Oh and, yeah. You know, so I just always wanted to go there. It's like a fantasy. But I, I don't know if it's as nice as it used to be. I mean, I think that it's still a pretty nice country to go to. Um, I feel like I've had people, I feel like I know of people who've gone recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, uh, yeah, so Grace, so Grace Kelly, she, you know, when she had to sort of quit Hollywood, she, had three children. Um, but she ended up getting more involved, I think in the community. Um, she opened the first daycare, uh, in Monaco, which is kind of amazing when you think about that, the very first daycare. That's pretty cool. Um, she used to support a lot of different charities, uh, Red Cross. She ended up, um, earning, oh God, what is it? She was awarded by the Austrian government, uh, the medal of merit for aid to Hungarian refugees escaping the Russian invasion. Um, which was given through Monaco's Red Cross. Uh, so that was only a couple years after she got married, actually. So that was pretty, you know, she definitely, I think, made a name for herself, too, as Princess of Monaco. Um, she also opened Princess Grace Hospital. Um, she used to visit all of the women in the birthing wards, uh, you know, new moms and um, those who are still, you know, were still pregnant, um, used to visit them in the hospital wings, um, you know, to kind of like brighten their day. She used to hand deliver care packages. Um, I think very involved in really trying to make, you know, put her face out there and show that she is very, she is connected. She is one of them. And I think, yeah, but I think it's also because she is from the U.S., it's also more challenging when you are married into, mm-hmm. I'm going to say a la Meghan Markle. I was just going to uh, say. Married into a different country, nationality, and, you know, it's like you still have things from home that you want to take and hold on to, but at the same time, you don't want to ostracize yourself, and you you want to show that you are part of their community. You're, yeah. you're not... You don't live outside of it. Right. You know? So I thought that that was pretty, pretty fantastic. And she founded a lot of other different arts related, um, activities and different like ballets and things like that. And I think that she had a scholarship of some sort, um, created festivals to really highlight and showcase certain arts because she herself, you know, studied theater and studied acting and things like that and acknowledged that that's not necessarily something that a lot of people have access to. So didn't she get um, into poetry readings? She did. And you want to know what's so, this is so sad. So she, I guess had recorded, um, I believe it was that she had recorded uh, her reading um, specific poetry. I think she used to write at some point too, but she used to do readings of books and poetry. Um, but they were they did a recording of her, a film, intending to release it. Unfortunately, while it was still in the process of being finished, she ended up dying in a car accident. Ironically, a week ago, on September fourteenth. Oh, okay. Last Friday is the anniversary. Wow. But she died in a car accident while her daughter was in the car with her. And they presume that she actually had a stroke behind the wheel. And then she yeah. went off a cliff. And so um, she ended up dying in the Princess Grace Hospital. Um, but it was, you know, it was an extremely sad thing because I do think she was very relatable um, and, you know, was, had a huge presence within the community and the country. And so it's, you know, a lot of people felt it and a lot of Hollywood felt it too, because even though she had such a small, when you think about people's, you know, their duration in Hollywood, six years is not that long. No, it's not at all. And, you know, it's, but she made such an impact on the people that she worked with and the organization she worked with that, you know, it, it was a very heartbreaking moment for a lot of people. And 
I'll, I'll just say, um, she, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, who she acted with in some movies, uh, delivered a eulogy at a separate, um, like funeral or uh, remembrance ceremony in Beverly Hills. And he says, you know, I just love Grace Kelly. Not because she was a princess, not because she was an actress, not because she was my friend, but because she was just about the nicest lady I ever met. Grace brought into my life, as she brought into yours, a soft, warm light every time I saw her, and every time I saw her was a holiday of its own. No question I'll miss her, we'll all miss her. God bless you, Princess Grace. And I feel like, I mean, Grenache holiday, Princess Grace holiday, right? Um, I just feel like that that sort of, you know, captures the essence of her and just kind of highlights, you know, what people thought about her. And, you know, she was this graceful human being, you know, this, this, this person that everybody wanted to be on, on screen and everybody wanted to emulate that in their life. And so I think that that is why Grace Kelly pairs well with this particular wine. Oh, so well spoken. Mm, she's so beautiful. So she was only 52 when she died. Yeah. She very young. could have still been alive today. I know. I know. Very, very, very young. sad, especially having a stroke. Yeah. And I think they said, oh. I think they believe that she also had a second stroke. And one was like before the car accident and one was after or something. Probably I, due to the head I, bleed. Probably. So, yes. so yeah, it was extremely, you know, unfortunate. And what about her fashion? Can we talk a little oh, bit about that? Cause wait, I don't, okay. I'm not a particularly fashionable person. You know, I this. think you are. What? Sarah's sporting our DVP shirt right now. Oh yeah, I am. Yes. I did not wear my uniform today. <laughs> Okay, so Grace Kelly, you know, in addition to her obviously being with a fashion designer, Ola Cassini, mm-hmm. um, back in the day, she also, so you know when like celebrities are pregnant, they try to hide it. Right. And they get very creative in how they hide it. Sure. So when she was pregnant uh, with her first daughter, so this mm-hmm. is like right after she got married, mm-hmm. um, she was frequently photographed clutching a distinctive leather handbag manufactured by, oh my God, how do you say it? Hermes? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, It was likely to shield her pregnant abdomen. This is what the Wikipedia says. Pregnant abdomen. From being exposed to the prying eyes of the paparazzi. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we've seen some celebs like walk around with pillows and like, yeah, massive bags, right? Because... You got a lot of shit to carry when you're a celeb, I'd imagine. So why the hell not? But because of that, the photographs popularized her purse style. Okay. And and then there was a purse that was designed to be known as the Kelly bag. Ooh, nice. Can I have that? I mean, I would. I didn't know that. I did not know that that existed. But now I feel like I must have one. I feel like I do too. It's probably worth a lot of money. I probably. So she has three children. Oh shit, that's pretty. <laughs> oh yeah, I need that. It's really pretty. Yeah, I've seen, I've, see, I've seen that bag. Ooh, I've seen that okay. bag. Okay, it's beautiful. Ooh. Yeah, that's really nice. It's it's a lot. I probably can't afford money. that. Okay. Anyway, so you know, I think that again, speaking to her, she had grace. She exuded grace. She was grace. But I think that, you know, she wasn't always a princess, and that's the thing, is that, you know, many of these women that we see today, they're sure they might be princesses now, and or they might not be. Right. But you're, like, wed into that, and it's sort of like, I think it allows you an opportunity to sort of maybe reprioritize things, but I do think that there are expectations. But um, what, who do you think... Mm. I mean, I love, I love Grace Kelly. I've grown up watching her movies, but yeah. So I, there's two people I really think of when I think of that, the whole grace and emulation. So one is, I mean, and I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are going to agree with this because she was very famous and well loved as Princess Diana. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she came from kind of an aristocratic family and mm-hmm. married into she was British though married right. into the British family but super young super Wasn't young she? Mm-hmm. yeah super young I can't <clears throat> remember exactly how old but very young um, and you know she suffered through a lot of she had bulimia she had anorexia she went through a lot of things however 
she was such a humanitarian, such a philanthropist, Mm -hmm. and she always just emulated this charm and this, Mm -hmm. like, class and, like, kept it together no matter what, even when her marriage was crumbling apart, like, Mm -hmm. kept it together at least, you know in front of the camera and how she handled all, cause she got so much. I mean, we all know she died in, because of paparazzi. Because of paparazzi. Yeah. So, I mean, but how she handled all of that, yeah. it was just like, you just watch her and she was just like, you know, she just handled every situation with such grace, such class yeah. and such charm. Yeah. And she, the style I mean, especially back in the day, like her style was like people were emulating it everywhere. She was very iconic. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Very iconic. But I think that, I think, I think that because of people's confidence, how they carry themselves, the actions, you know, the actions speak louder than words type Mm -hmm. of deal. I think that, you know, maybe some of that actually contributed to sort of the popularity and you know, whatever their style was or their fashion and things like that, because it's like, they just saw so much good coming out of this mm-hmm. human being that it was like, I want, I want to be like that person. And this is one way to get there. And maybe well, I can carry through the rest of it. You yeah. Know? And so she really didn't like the spotlight. No. And so she threw herself. And so she decided, you know, she had to do something in terms of what she was going to do with her role. Mm-hmm. And because her marriage was obviously in shambles and you know she didn't like the paparazzi she didn't like the 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 limelight she ended up throwing herself into these humanitarian efforts so yeah you know she had did a lot of work with aids and hiv um with um cancer and uh landmine like she tried to (gasps) oh that's right yeah Why was I... I was recently reading something about her and the land... What? 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 Didn't she walk through a landmine-ridden, like, place where there could have been some... Like, they thought that most were were deactivated or already set off, but it could have actually... I feel like that happened because I... God, why... Why was I reading this? I don't know if she actually walked through anything, um, but she was the a patron of Halo Trust, which is, was the organization that was trying to remove landmines that mm-hmm. were left behind by war. Um, so she, her efforts re, uh, raise international awareness about landmines and the sufferings that were caused mm-hmm. by them. So she she gave a speech at a conference. Um, a landmines conference in 1997. She went to D.C. and she went to promote American Red Cross so this, in the landmines That's right. Campaign. This was after the divorce. I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. If it was, yeah, if it yeah. was 97. So, um, so, yeah, she did a lot of work with, with that um, and, and the, uh, UNICEF mm-hmm. because landmines are children are attracted to them. They think they're toys and right. things, bad things happen, obviously. Right, right. So, uh, she urged countries who had the largest number of, um, who, who produced and stockpiled the largest number of landmines to, to sign a certain treaty that would basically ban them from using them. Um, oh, like ban them from like producing them any further yes. essentially. So okay. in 1997, the international campaign to ban landmines won the Nobel peace prize. And that was after her death. So it was right after she died. I yeah. really just got chills. Yeah. Uh, so she also, you know, tried to, tried to help a lot of cancer patients mm-hmm. and used to visit cancer hospitals yeah. and, um, do Good a lot lady. of charity with that. So yeah, it was just, you know, I think that she emulates a certain, there, I mean, there's certain things you look for, right? Uh, at least for me, when I'm looking at somebody who has grace, it's obviously, you know, how they carry themselves, mm-hmm. um, how, what they represent. So are they representing, things that are of good nature of good of uh you know like we said philanthropy humanitarian yeah what are they doing what are they doing with their position because if you're a princess you could just like be a princess it makes it it makes you're basically spouting out criteria for sororityhood <laughs> yeah i mean you could just be a princess like show up at things and but like 
to use your position to do good for the world. Oh my God. Something different. Right? Well, and I would have, well, and maybe this is just me, but I would think that like, just, just being a princess would just get boring. Like, don't you feel like you have to do yeah. something? And again, to yeah, what you just said, like you have a position that will allow you a platform in order to tackle some of these significant issues. Yeah. And I think that because, you know, and she was, you know, as I think it was Tony Blair who described her, he was the first one who first, he was the one who first called her the people's princess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that it, it was extremely evident Oh yeah, you know I mean, the these... impact that she had, and and I think that that goes to show that the celebrity don't like plays a role because you're more in in you know the public eye. But it also don't you think don't you think that when the people who are in at that status who've attained that status and they go out and do good thing after good thing after good thing, it creates a more positive and caring vibe, I think like in the world. Yeah. Because I think more people are like, you know what? I need to go do a good thing and another good thing and another good thing. And when we just have sort of negative things, and this is why I hate the news, but I feel like there's only negative things being publicized now that like everyone just focuses on the negatives, but there's all these good things in the world that we still have yet to learn about and progress. But there was another one that you had mentioned. Yes. So this person is still alive. Okay. She's not a princess. She's a queen. A legit queen? A legit queen. Queen! I actually kind of want to be her. Um, it's Tell queen, me about her. Queen Rainia. I don't want you Jordan. to change, though. I want you to be you. Oh, thank you. I want you to be Sarah. I'm a princess. My name <laughs> means princess. We talked about that. Yes. 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 Yeah. I just got really excited. Um, Sorry to interrupt. All right. Queen Rania of Jordan. Okay. Have you ever seen a picture of her? No. She's I'm gorgeous. going to She's right now. Gorgeous. Okay. Damn. Yes, she is. She's gorgeous. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's only part of the reason that I like love her. <laughs> um, so, so she so is. So what does she do? She's 47 or 48. She's married, wow. obviously, to the king of Jordan. Um, you hear a lot about the British royalty, but you don't hear so much about, you know, Jordanian royalty. That's true. Um, That's very true. She became queen in 1999. Uh, but she has her, like, it's not just that she became queen. She earned a degree in business administration from the American University of Cairo. And then she went into marketing and she worked at Citibank and Apple. Yeah, so this pre queendom. Pre queendom. Okay. So this woman's like, I mean, wow. She's pretty. Uh, she's definitely like, you know, made a name for herself before she became totally queen. So do you think? So, do you think that her focus on that, on achieving all of that before queendom, do you think that that played a role? I know. <laughs> Do you think that that played a role in sort of her future endeavors into advocacy? I and mean, philanthropy? maybe. Um, well, so she met King Abdullah II. Okay. At a dinner party in 1993, and then they were married that year. So they got married mm. pretty fast. Yes. That's um, so fast. She's also like her. Before we get into the philanthropy that she does, her fashion style. I mean, I want her wardrobe. (laughs) Does it ever make you wonder if she has like a stylist or if she can just do that shit by herself? Because I can't. I I mean, she must. Her outfits are gorgeous. Like, it is like, I mean, it is like Jackie O. It's like that kind of style. It's just like the modern Jackie O. With Lady Obama. Michelle Obama. Yeah. No, she's, I mean... She calls herself a mom and a wife with a really cool day job. Oh. Um, she does use social media, so you can follow her on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, and she does DDP uses... Cheers follow her? <laughs> we should. <laughs> but, um, we should, and we should tag her. Yes. Oh, my God. I love her outfits. I just want all of them. Um, <laughs> so her advocacy for her country 
is quite amazing. Like we need, I mean, no offense to our current political system, but we need someone who advocates for the, for our people. Like she advocates for the Jordanian people. Yeah. Like what does she do? She campaigns not only for, so she's very into their public education in this, in their schools. Okay. And it's all about like making sure that their kids get the best education that they can get. But she's not just into, it's not just her country. She's also into global education. So, I mean, she does all these campaigns to try and like bring awareness to education around the world. It's, and, and a lot of it too, is she tries to like make people know about her country and how she's, you know, very proud of her country and wants people to understand it. She has her own website. If you want to visit, you can kind of see, um, it's, uh, www.queenrania.jo backslash en. Mm. Um, and it kind of her Jordan slash English. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> when you pull it up, her, the, the first thing that shows up on the website is we shouldn't judge people through the prism of our own stereotypes. Shit. I mean, that's, that's extremely true. And, and her eyes, her eyes also show up. Yes, that's true. Which is, so let me, I'll talk a little bit more about, okay. She's also got, um, so she has her campaign for the school. She has the foundation for education and development. Um, she, she has, she's built a children's museum for Jordan. Wow. Um, she has something called the Jordan river foundation, which is non-governmental with a focus on child safety and community empowerment. So basically, um, trying to create economic opportunities for people in local communities, um, having so that they can have the knowledge and the tools to be sustainable for themselves. Uh, the child safety program helps, um, child raising practices in Jordan and helps, um, victims of child abuse in their families. Wow. Uh, and raises awareness to the public about those uh, things too. So she, I mean, that's just a taste of what she does. Yeah. Like she and is. the thing is she's still actively doing this. As you said, yeah. she's only, she's only 48, I think from when I can see yeah, 48. recently, mm-hmm. 48. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's really amazing. And so it, it is this right that she actually wasn't, she's not even Jordanian? Jordanian. Jordanian yeah, to I begin with. Was, um, but she is the reigning queen of the country. Mm-hmm. So I think I think she was born, I want to say, um, in Kuwait. Yeah. yeah. She was born in Kuwait. So she's, she's Arabic, but she's not Jordanian. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But again, it's sort of, you know, what we described with, Grace Kelly, where, yeah. you know, it's like in Meghan Markle, where you are then married into sort of this royalty, and it's a matter of what you do with it, right? And she does so much She does it. so much. And the much. king is, I mean, the king is also very well-spoken, and you can tell that they're just such advocates for their country. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what her full title is? What? Her Majesty the Queen of the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. That's so cool. That's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> I hope she has a business card. And you know what? I think the other thing about this whole grace thing is these people all seem very down to earth. And that's the, yeah, that's a good point because it's not, you know, you can flaunt. There's a, there's a, perhaps a fine line. I don't mm-hmm. know, but like there's an, you can flaunt it and then you can also not. <laughs> She's Maybe nine, it's not a fine line. She has 9.65 million followers. Damn. On her on social media. Damn, girl. Isn't that crazy? So, I mean, what do you like what is it? Why do you think that we well, I know that you and I, and I know at least a handful of other people who like find like the royal families particularly interesting. Do you think that there is something like that we've grown up with that sort of introduces us to pay attention to the royalty. I mean, if we wanted to ignore that, like I'm sure that we could just like, listen, um, it's like a fantasy land, right? I mean, you know, you're like, you're living in this that captures us first and it's like, it's like Disney brought to real life. And then people (laughs) are just like, they get so interested in all the other aspects and the drama. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Yeah. 
I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's very interesting because I feel like, you know, you're right. We get introduced to princesses through all of Disney and, you know, like growing up and like the stories and, you know, reading books and fairy tales and things like that. But I think that it is more, it's maybe that is sort of the the trajectory then goes to looking at that and then applying, oh, that looks so amazing. And then we see and hear about all of these princesses or royalty in real life. And when they do these acts of, you know, kindness and goodness and really, you know, advocate for specific demographics, you know, different people, um, even for their countries, you know, I feel like that sort of then cultivates a sense of, I should be doing that myself. And like, I want to be, I think it makes them human and I think it helps them become like iconic. Right. So if you're just kind of the title princess, but then you do all those things and then you're beautiful and then you have good fashion sense. (laughs) And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then you're classy and you're well-spoken and, and then, Oh my God, I just want to be you. Can I please be you? And educated. And you're just like, it's amazing. We should freaky Friday this shit up. I mean, I think that this is a good tribute to Grace. Grace being a personality trait that people can, you know, assume and and enact on and And then aspire to be to. Yes. Very I'm gonna just like walk out of my house tomorrow, like in full on like You're gonna wear your awesomest and like the best purse I have and just be like have my hair all up in a bun or something and just be like (laughs) Hello. Please be sure to do the royal wave. Yes, wave. I will do the royal wave. I feel like I've learned this from watching The Crown. <laughs> and then I'll just then I'll trip and fall flat on my face. Is what will happen. Don't wear super high heels then, okay? <laughs> anyway, oh my god. Okay, well this is this is okay. Wait, holding on a second. Hang on. We can't leave yet. We didn't officially give our. I mean, I think we said that we love this wine and we would definitely recommend it, but we never yeah. fully did our flavor shit. You said cherry preserves. I get cherry preserves. Oh, and I said and woodiness. Okay, we did that. We did, we did that. We're good. We're good. Everybody rewind. You guys are good. Just start it over. Replay <laughs> the episode. You're fine. It gives you more reason to you drink more Grenache while it's, you listen. It's damn delicious. Go pick up a bottle and figure it out. A tribute to Grace. And a you know what? Grace. If it's hot where you are still, it's getting chillier up here in Wisconsin. If it's hotter by you, maybe pick up the bottle of Grenache Rosé. Try that one out. Yeah. Because I know I've seen that. I just didn't buy it. Now I'm a little pissed that I didn't, but that's well, fine. You know what? I'm pretty sure there's a wine store around the corner. Around the corner. <laughs> we can fix that. We can. I'm going to need to get more of this anyways. So. We can. All right. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.